Welcome to Do It For The Gram, an Enneagram podcast with your host, certified Enneagram coach, Milton Stewart, where we do it for the Enneagram, not Instagram. We make moves to improve our lives and those in our communities. So this episode starts our series on subtypes. It's been a long time coming for sure, um, but I'm super excited to talk about subtypes. So before you listen to this episode, you're going to need to understand the instincts and the passion for your number. So if you haven't listened to the episodes before this one on instincts and passion, go ahead and check those out before you check this one out. Because in order to get a better understanding of what's happening in your subtype, you really need to know what's happening in your dominant instinct. And you need to understand what your passion of your number is. And they kind of range throughout your emotional patterns in life. So intro music, let's get it because we're about to get into it. super excited to announce my new partnership with BetterHelp. This episode is actually sponsored by BetterHelp. If you are struggling, BetterHelp can help. You'll receive 10% off their first month when you sign on using betterhelp.com forward slash do it. So I'm super excited uh, about this partnership that me and BetterHelp have um, entered into because in this point where everything that we're doing right now to connect with people is more virtual, it is so important mental health. I think that aligns perfectly with things that we're trying to do, things that I want to do, and um, anybody that I would refer or think that could be potentially beneficial to the audience. And I think BetterHelp is definitely one of them. BetterHelp is basically, it's online counseling or therapy. So you're able to actually get some counseling or therapy uh, depending on what's going on from licensed counselors and therapists around the country. And um, you get to be able to get some of that one-on-one mental checkup that you may need and BetterHelp's able to help you. So just go to betterhelp.com forward slash do it and you'll get a 10% discount for your first month. So what is a subtype? Subtypes, it is a type's passion and their instincts kind of multiply together. And they create this really interesting, very specific type of cocktail. So it's whatever your dominant instinct is combined with your passion. And so you also have a stack. So you have three instincts, which is social, sexual, and self-preservation, and they're all stacked in a certain way, meaning that they're ranked. So whatever the dominant one is, that means it's probably overactive. And whatever the repressed one is, that means it's probably underactive. And so the one in between is probably good. You probably utilize it in the right form, in the right way, in a healthier way. Then you can use your dominant and repressed one. So understanding the stack, why is it important to understand the subtypes and your stack? So it's very important to understand it because there's a deeper understanding to you and your Enneagram number when you understand your subtype stack and what your subtypes are. And it gives you clarity around growth for you as well. And so it also helps you to see that your individual growth as a certain number may look a tinge bit different than another person's growth as that number. And also this helps us realize that all numbers don't look the same. 
all numbers, all people who are eights don't look the same. And the subtype is a big reason for it. Okay. That's a huge reason for it. some types look like counter. They're what called what we call counter types. And what that means is that they internally are have the same underpinning issues and struggles and challenges of all of that number. But on the surface, they respond to it differently. They respond in a counter way than the other two subtypes do. So understanding the stack a little bit better, if your dominant instinct is on top and it's this one, there's a message in it. So for instance, if you're self-preservation and it's your dominant one, you have this feeling instinctually that I'm always in danger. There's always fear there. And as a self-pressed person who's dominant in that instinct, it took me a while to realize that. But in so many situations, I literally feel like I am in danger just about all the time, no matter where I go. I'm always trying to make sure that I'm safe in some type of way. Then the next one is social. If social is your dominant instinct, then you feel that I am no one without a group and status. So for socially dominant types, it's very important to remember that you are more than a social group or status, but that's the over active sense in the social instinct. It's overly active. That instinct, if it's dominant, it's overly active. And so you have to be aware of that. If your instinct is dominant in the sexual, it means that I am no one without a significant other. And so it's very important for you to understand who is sexually dominant, that in order to be somebody, it's not just, it's that you are valuable regardless of who you're with, or regardless if you have a significant other with you or not. So you have to be aware of that. Remember, the instinct is overactive if it's your dominant one. We got to be aware of that. So if it's your bottom instinct, aka your repressed one in your stack, for self-preservation, it means my life is not important. So if you have a repressed center that is self-preservation, you have to watch out because that means that you don't treat yourself with the proper self-care because somewhere in your instincts, a lot of times unconsciously, you don't believe your life is that important. For social, it is, I don't trust others, groups, causes, the collective, and humanity. So if that's your repressed one, you have to watch out for that because there's a natural inclination not to trust any type of group or big cause or collective or humanity. So you have to watch out because it's underactive. It's not in a healthy place. It's only looking at all oh, these things are really bad, so I'm not going to join them and look at the negative sides of anything that could be collective or group effort. And then if your repressed center is sexual, then I am not interesting or attractive and intimate relationships may not be for me. So for those who have a sexual repressed center, in some type of way, they don't feel that intimate relationships are necessarily for them, possibly, and or they don't feel attractive and they just may not feel interested in it. So that is an issue. If your sexual instinct is repressed, that means that something is going on and it's not active as it should be making sure you engage in intimate one-on-one -on -one relationships in a healthy way. All right, so let's dive into the type eight. Remember, the eight's passion is lust, okay? So, and remember, lust is, for the eight, it's for intensity. It's a lust of intensity, not just a certain type of like sexual lust that we may think of sometimes, but it's a lust for intensity. That's what their passion is. So when the passion of lust or emotional pattern, or vice, as if you listen to the other episodes, you understand they're interchangeable. When the passion of lust entangles with the instinct of self-preservation, you get a lust for material security and material needs. And so this person can easily make things happen. 
because they have a high intensity as an eight and they have this lust for intensity, but their highest is self-preservation, meaning that they need material needs. It is a extremely, very direct, straight drive to get what they want and what they need. So they are able to make things happen. They make things happen. It's not even a question to it. And so they're extremely direct. I mean, very, very direct when it comes to trying to achieve the things that they want um, and things that they need to get or feel they need to get. They're a little more quiet, more self-contained, and can look five-ish, which is interesting. This eight is not necessarily the big boisterous one that like uses their sound and uses their body movements to take over the room. This eight has a big presence, though, is more self-contained and can seem five-ish, seem, seeming like in rooms that they are thinking, planning, uh, maybe even plotting, but they have a much more self-contained um, body language to them but still a lot of it. Um, and they have much power, but they don't feel the need to talk about it a lot. They don't have a sense that they need to express it to other people and say that they're big and these different things. They just bring their presence to a room wherever they are. They're good. Matter of fact, I feel like they're great at bargaining and bartering with people. They are masters at bartering and bargaining, especially getting things that they feel they need and or those really, really close to them need. They are amazing for finding deals and getting barter and bartering and bargaining with people to get what they need. Um, and honestly, sometimes a lot of times getting the best of the situation and maybe even the person, to be honest. This eight is also the most defended and the most armed eight. So by most defended and armed, what we're really talking about is the fact that when it comes to resources, when it comes to protecting themselves, uh, when it comes to all this different things, they're the most defended and the most armed. They are ready for if anything happens. Because remember, self-preservation, they're still the one, the instinct of self-preservation still has a tinge of fear in it. So it's just wanting to be prepared for stuff. So this eight, along with their intensity, is, is ready. For almost anything that can come or will come, they have this, this sense of always being ready to protect and defend themselves. Always. It's harder for this eight to express their vulnerability too. As it is for all eights, it's really hard to get to the vulnerable level, but it's very hard for the self-preservation uh, instinct dominant eight to get to their vulnerability. And part of that is because of, like I said before, the fear on top of already not of that being a place where they don't want to go, but it's a very fearful and scared place of them really being afraid to be hurt by somebody if they let people in. So it's really hard for this one to express vulnerability. Uh, they don't share much with many people. So they, they have a really small circle of people that they share things with, not even just close things, but things in general. Um, for sure. When they feel protective of others, it is in a small group. Like I said before, they they are protective, just like all eights are protective to a certain degree. But this eight is protective to their, their small unit. There's not a big, big unit or big cause necessarily that they're super protective of. But when you talk about like super protective, like become extremely aggressive or extremely assertive about, it is that small circle that they have in themselves. They can create uh, dependency in others through their control and protection. This is one thing that eights 
have to watch out for, especially self-preservation aids, is that they can actually create dependency in other people. And so that's in relationships because people get used to them being in control and having and protecting them. And the issue is after that has gone on for a long time, one or two things happen. Either the eight gets tired of doing it for the person, even though that's how the relationship was set up, and or the other person gets tired of the eight doing so much control and so much protecting of them. And so it creates a rift in the relationship, right? And then they both still think they're the right in a certain situation. But at the same time, the relationship was set up in such a lopsided way that now it's very toxic. And now everybody thinks that they're right, especially the eight thinks they're right. Like, I've been doing this for so long. I've been protecting this person or this person doesn't do anything. But the relationship was set up that way. And that's the issue. And then these eights at the same time, as we know, vengeance can be one of the which vengeance is the fixation of the eight, they can actually seek vengeance without necessarily knowing why. This is the other two eights. They definitely know when they're going to be vengeful, why and what's going on. But the self-preservation eight, because their emotions have been locked away so harshly or not really dealt with or covered in strength and anger, they have way less access to knowing what's going on with their heart. So when they become vengeful because they're mad at somebody or really upset, um, it's hard for them sometimes to even know why they're becoming vengeful towards someone or if they're doing something. And so they have to really be aware of that. That's an unconscious thing that these eights can actually do by mistake, unconsciously. But it can be conscious as well, obviously. And then these eights are more aggressive than social eights, but less charismatic than sexual eights. And so they're not as aggressive necessarily at onset in the, in the beginning as the sexual eight, but, but they are more aggressive than the social eight for sure. Um, they also have a tendency to make their own rules and care less about the social atmosphere. So even though these eights understand what's going on in the social atmosphere, um, they can really care less about it. Doesn't mean that they are antisocial or anything. Thing, but it is not the biggest thing on their mind to deal with of how I should respond in this social situation, even though they know how to navigate it. And so those are some of the things about the self-preservation eight that differentiates it from the other ones. The social eight is the countertype. So they're the countertype because they don't necessarily, just by looking at common behavior, you're going to feel like they're an eight. So this is why they're a countertype, because with their common behavior, they actually may look more like twos. And that's because this eight looks more friendly, actually, and they're a little bit more friendly towards other people. And so when their lust entangles with the social instinct, you get that countertype and you get a more outwardly friendly kind of person who's social antisocial, meaning that they love the group. They love like gatherings. They love causes. They love these things, but they are very antisocial when it comes to things that they feel go against what they believe to be right, to be true, to be good and how to treat people. So they're definitely for the group. But at the same time, they're very antisocial towards especially groups that they feel that are not right. Does your workplace stink because the culture sucks? Are you tired of tolerating people and wish you could all work together cohesively? Does going to work give you instant anxiety? If you say yes to any one of these, you should probably quit your job. But since you aren't going to quit your job, you should call Kaizen Careers. At Kaizen Careers, we are all about improving personal and workplace performance. We use a unique tool called the Enneagram. The Enneagram helps individuals and organizations become more self-aware. That self-awareness lends into helping organizations with communication, leadership, and conflict management, ultimately turning self-awareness into self-mastery and creating healthy workplace performance so you can improve your services and bottom line. You can reach Kaizen Careers at kaizencareers.com 
or 901-334-1644. So they have protection of others where the self-preservation protected their small group. Um, the protection for social types are, is a little bit bigger. They're more protecting of causes, more protecting of a bigger scheme, a, a bigger ideal of different things in life. So they're not necessarily in the small things, but they are on the front fighting for something that's larger, something that's bigger and grander. That's what they are more protective of. And that includes a lot of times different social causes. It includes women, includes children, includes animals, anything that seems to, that could be vulnerable. This is where this eight like rises to the challenge immediately to respond to whatever is going on and to protect. And usually they are against the patriarchy and toxic masculinity in society is huge. And so what I find very interesting is if I post something about an eight or I have an eight friend and I post something that may have something to do with males and I'm saying that like anything from I am saying something positive about males or I'm saying something that like maybe includes talking about how society is doing the wrong thing when it comes to how we see males or how we treat women or anything. I always find a social eight who will chime in and like make sure that they give a strong point for how solid women are, how just how bad patriarchy is, how bad men have treated women. All of these different things are giving glory to different women um, in society. So I find it very interesting when it comes to working with social aids because it, it's a huge thing. And so they look to support others, which is they're not necessarily, this is a little bit different too. And it's too like in a sense, they're looking to support others. Now they may actually take over the situation when they get there, but they're actually looking to support others and they really appreciate and love to support other people. So this aid is also, they're still strong and rebellious, but they are oriented to other people. That's one of the biggest things. They are oriented to not necessarily getting what they 100% want, but it's getting what they feel the the cause of the society really wants. That is their push. Um, and that's the thing they fight hardcore for others. They can detect well if someone is trying to exploit them or a group or anything. Um, all eights can do that very well, but the social aid is very adept and very keen to if anyone is actually trying to exploit or take advantage of someone. They know it in a heartbeat. They can smell it. They can sniff it. They can feel it. And then also, they always act first to protect people who may hurt them. Always. When I ask, when I do some Enneagram typing interviews, one of the things is when conflict arises, how do you respond? And do you think first or do you act first? And for eights, it is action first, especially for the social eight. It is action first. Just about all eights, but this eight acts very quickly to deal with these issues, along with the sexual eight as well. This eight will break rules but it's okay with following them as well. They will break them if they feel they are not needed, but they don't have a natural tendency to have to break the rules as the other eights may have to, may feel inside to do. These eights are also great at uh, mentoring and lending strength to lift others up. They're naturally attuned to actually lifting people up with the strength that they actually have, which is a really good thing. It's one of the strengths of the eight for sure, and especially the social eight. Because they're so oriented to other people, they're really good at saying, how can I empower you and lift you up so that you can know that you can lead this charge too? And then they can be confused when it comes to women as twos and then as men as nine sometimes, and then vice versa as well. The social eight is more assertive than aggressive also. So when it comes to them addressing situations, they bring a strong assertive nature more than just an aggressive nature. 
And that's partly because of the social dynamics of things, understanding how things go, understanding how society works and what's good for groups in like different settings and stuff. So they have a real keen sense of how to really deal with those situations. So they bring more of an assertive edge than necessarily just going full blown aggressive. And so it's hard for them not to fight for social justice. You'll be hard pressed to find a socially dominant eight who is not somehow involved in fighting or some type of social justice cause, hard pressed, because it is innate in them to want to fight for those who they feel are vulnerable in our society. And mentioning before, just like the social types understand um, etiquette, understand dynamics, understand all these manners and rules and regulations that actually exist within this world. And so understanding that our society is built off of patriarchy, they understand that intellectualism is also very, very important. So this eight is actually the most intellectual of the eights as well, because that is one way that they know how to navigate, how to challenge and how to overcome some of the patriarchy that's in our world. So this eight is the most intellectual of the eights when it comes to behavior and conversations. When the passion of lust entangles with the instinct and the sexual dominant instinct, Remember, we're about to get super intense now because we have intensity, which is lust of intensity, the passion. Now we have this intimacy and intensity instinct that's just going on, which is the sexual, the one-to-one. So this one has strong antisocial tendencies. They are very, very rebellious against whatever is going on. And so they have a lust for power and control. They have a lust for power and control, and they have to be very aware of that. And sometimes it's hard for sexual eights to hear that because they don't want to feel like they do. But in reality, remember, this is a growth tool, so it's your subtype. This is all things we have to work on. Some of these things, we have to learn to manage them so that we can use them in a balanced and a healthy way. And when we don't, we get this craziness, which is in our subtypes. So the lust for power and control, which is They really have to be aware of. They are openly rebellious. So they kind of almost like being rebellious. It's almost like it's like a badge of honor almost. And if it's not a badge of honor, then they just really don't care like about whatever rule that they broke or are breaking because they really don't think it's about anything, apparently. So that is important. They like to feel the power of being the center of attention. And so this really is something that happens with sexual aids. They have already the, the a big presence, a, a big gravitational pull to themselves because they have so much strength and they're earthy and they're so solid in their base, like their legs. That's a physical trait of them. So they're super solid. So they bring a lot of attention to themselves. And usually they are loud and usually they are boisterous. They have, they're usually a little provocative. And so they bring a lot of that into situations and groups for sure and relationships because it makes them feel powerful, more powerful. Then they like to dominate energetically and they tend to dominate conversations. I've interviewed uh, sexual eights at different times and had conversations with them and they will dominate it. They will they will just keep going and keep going. And I'm just listening and just listening like, hmm, okay, cool. Let me ask you a really deep question, make you pause and ponder real quick. Let's get past this, uh, some of this facade about this talking, this strength, and let me get to some of that vulnerable, soft-hearted stuff because that will slow an eight down. But what's interesting about this eight, though, is that this eight is the most emotional eight. They are the most rebellious, but they're also the most emotional. You're more likely to see this eight cry over a social or self-preservation eight. This eight is the most emotional and they're okay with crying. They cry and then they wipe their tears and they go back to being as fierce as they can be. 
And I've seen this firsthanded from a really good friend of mine in a situation I'm not going to necessarily name here, but I saw her cry in the midst of crazy turmoil. She was super angry. And for a hot second, she cried. And that's just because she trusts me. And like, I went to console her. First, I was shocked. I was like, oh my goodness, she's crying. And I went to console her. And it was not even like 15 seconds before she was like, okay, good, leave. I'm good now. Um, they're not going to see me cry. And then she went right back to moving and like doing everything, like being very strong and using that anger to fuel her to do and finish up the task that we had to do. But it was crazy. It was so abrupt. It was like, woof. I was like, whoa, I was like, I didn't, I didn't see that coming. And it really threw me off for a second. But as I understand subtypes deeper and deeper, I understand that that makes sense, right? So it makes total sense because the sexual eight is the most emotional as well as the most rebellious. And so they have lots of energy for relationships, lots of energy for relationships that they have in their life. But they also have to remember as an eight, the control portion. The control portion is tricky because they can control relationships and people that they love. And it becomes really hard in those relationships, especially when they are so intense and they're controlling in their relationship. And then... Also, this eight is not very contained, as in the self-preservation one is um, very contained for the most part. This eight is total opposite. It is not contained. When you talk about body language and containing, like the body language, their body language says a lot. It's kind of big. It's louder. Um, and people can see it and notice, and they're totally okay with it. It doesn't bother them at all. And so this one is very quick to action, and they are passion over contemplation or intellectualization. And so Unlike the social eight who is more intellectualized when it comes to communicating, the sexual eight would prefer to communicate through passion than contemplation and intellectualization. So if you were in an argument with this eight, it's going to come across more points that have dealing with like the passion of why what they believe you doing is wrong and what they are doing or the cause they want is right. Whereas if you were to argue with a social eight, it's going to come across strong, but it's going to have an intellectual deepness to it as well. Hi, I'm super excited to tell you about a partnership I just joined in on. As an Enneagram coach, I understand the Enneagram helps in all different aspects of a person's life. A part of that journey can only be helped sometimes by someone outside of themselves, someone in the profession of counseling or therapy. So that's why I partnered with BetterHelp.com. BetterHelp is basically a virtual way to contact and be in connection with counselors and therapists around the country. And at this time that we're going through socially being distant and a lot of being trapped in our houses or different things, even though it can be wonderful, a lot of times we may need to express something that's going on or things may be arising inside that we don't understand how to deal with. And so BetterHelp is a wonderful, affordable way to receive therapy and counseling in your home virtually. So if you are struggling, BetterHelp can help. You'll receive 10% off your first month when you sign on using betterhelp.com forward slash do it. That's D-O-I-T. So this information will be in the show notes, but this is a way if you do need some help, mental help and working through things and emotional things, BetterHelp can definitely help. The sexual subtype of the eight also wants to have, it wants to have power in control over the room and the people in the room. And when they're like running a classroom, when they're running a situation, these people know how to command power and they want it in a classroom or in any different space. This is huge for them to have it. Whenever they walk in a room with uh, different people, they expect to have some power in that place a lot of times. And so it's really hard for them not to be in control. It can be very difficult uh, for sure, especially if you think about the instincts, remember that they are animalistic. So if you're if they're triggered, 
then it's really hard for the eight not to control the room. Extremely hard. Because now you have your passion at work and your instinct. Oh my goodness, it's so much going on. It's so much energy. So it's really hard for them not to control rooms a lot of times. And then they can look obsessively for love, sex, and pleasure as well. So this is where lust goes into the definition that most people probably know it as in um, our society now, that this eight can really go after sex and love and pleasures that they want in life. They have a big appetite for, similar to certain sevens, but they have a big appetite for and the energy to actually go and pursue it constantly. So they have to be aware and be careful of that as well. And then also, this eight is usually extremely confident in themselves and or even overconfident um, in the things that they know and the things that they believe to be right or to be true. So this is usually a mark that um, this eight is a sexual eight is because they have this, it's kind of an overt confidence about themselves and the way they carry themselves. And this eight is most likely not to be mistyped either because this is most likely the stereotypical eight, which people usually affix a whole bunch of stuff that may or may not be true about the eight too as well. And so those are some of the, the breakdowns of the different types the different subtypes within the eight. And then also something I wanted to mention, because I see this a lot in a lot of places I go, and I said this earlier, relationships for eights can be very interesting because we all have a way that we set up relationships. And some are a little bit more impactful and in negative ways than we would hope. And so for instance, for the eight, and I'm thinking about twos as well, but for the eight, it can be tricky because they set up dependent style relationships where the other person is dependent on them. And so this can be troubling when they get in a relationship with a nine, a two, a four, because a lot of times the relationship was set up a certain way. This is how it was set up. And after a while, it gets old. It gets old being in that relationship the same way. The eight's like, this person don't do nothing. They have no drive, no ambition, a lot of these different things. They don't stand up for themselves, all this type of stuff. But the issue was that's how the relationship started. That is what attracted the eight to that person is because they saw that they were vulnerable. So they was like, ooh, I got to go protect them. And then they end up liking them and end up having a relationship. But before you know it, now that person, it no longer works because the eight wants that person to be strong now. They want that person to do this because that's what they like. But then the other person is in a situation like, this is what we signed up for. You're supposed to be like this. I'm supposed to be like this. So why are you all of a sudden upset at me? And so you really have to be aware for eights, when you enter relationships, how the dynamics are set up. And this is why inner work is so good for every single person to work on themselves. Because I see a lot of eights who have relationships with like nines, fours, and twos, and um, and sometimes fives that have issue with actually dealing with um, relationships after a while because they want the person to like get up and do something and actually all this stuff. But in actuality, what attracted you to them was the thing that you dislike now. So you have to be very aware of that as well. So let's talk about some practical growth things that each subtype can do really quickly because what eights want to do, they want to get to innocence. Innocence is the key for eights to get to. They want to be able to see the innocence in themselves, the innocence in other people, uh, the innocence in their own deep emotional um, well-being and heart. And so this is huge part of their actual growth. If they can get to innocence, um, this is how they really step into growing. So 
For the self-preservation dominant eight, the first thing is work on expressing your wants and needs outside of material needs, emotionals, feelings, all these other things that you just want people to do um, because you don't say it. You just get upset about it. Then you might complain about it to the other person or someone else. But you have not directly said what you really want out of that relationship or out of a situation because I know it's hard for them to get to a place where they can actually admit it and say it. So that's going to be one of the biggest things, just being able to express your actual wants and needs outside of material needs because you get those taken care of. But it's these other needs and wants that you don't communicate, but you feel like somebody should be there and take care of. The next one is slow down to help you get to the innocence. Because you're moving so fast, eights are doing so much, especially self-pressed dominant to achieve and get what they want out of life. So feel like they're having a good, great life. They move so quickly that they don't have a chance to even access the innocence within a situation within themselves. So they don't even have a chance to because they're moving and doing so much. So slowing down, finding ways to slow down. And I know for some eights, they just absolutely hate stuff like yoga or meditation um, because it's so slow. But um, something else you might want to do is simply like taking time to stretch because you're doing something. But if you can do that silently and quietly by yourself and like with solitude and just stretch and get you a good 30 minute some stretch or something in 15, 30 minute stretch with no sound, no music, that could also be beneficial too. It's giving you, it's stretching your muscles and relieving things, but you're also having time to slow down some instead of just moving and doing. And then also learn to rely on others. Because eights are so good at doing and accomplishing and crushing stuff in, uh, in their daily life, it can be hard for them to rely on other people. And so when they actually want people to take care of them and do different stuff, it's like impossible for other people to know when and can they do it because the eight has somehow done it for themselves for so long or they just have molded over and moved too quick to allow people to actually do it. So eights have to learn to rely on other people to help them. And even though you feel like they're not going to do it, they're not going to show up, they're not reliable, you have to allow them a chance to be reliable and then another chance if it's not. And then find the people who are reliable and let them know that I need this. And so if you can express those wants, if you can slow down and then learn to rely on others, it's going to do a major service to your growth work for self-dominant eights. All right, so to counteract this social dominant eight, one thing you've got to do, the first thing is take care of yourself. We all know eights can burn out because they can they can just roll, they can steamroll and not go know what's going on with their bodies. And especially the social eight. Man, the social eight can be going so hard for a cause and crushing and doing all these different things that they totally neglect their own body and themselves. So the one thing you definitely have to do is take care of yourself. And then the next thing, think about yourself as an innocent child. A lot of times this age and all age, they see themselves because they've been through so much or they had to handle so much or they had to go through so much a lot of times that they don't see themselves innocently. They don't, they don't see the innocent side of themselves because it's like life is like this, so I got to be hard like this. But they've got to be able to see themselves in an innocent way so they can learn to nurture and take care of their inner child, which is so important to actually take care of the inner child within them. That's how you grow. That's how you get to know. That's how you take care of yourself. Instead of just like moving forward and acting like it doesn't exist or like you're totally okay, you've got to learn how to see your own self as innocent and then be able to nurture 
your inner child because that child needs protection. It needs love. It needs care. And you don't have to talk to it as harshly as an eight can talk to themselves, especially when they aren't getting what they want out of life or a situation. You can talk to your to your own self, your innocent self, very gently and, and encouraging to get them to move to a healthy place. And then also express your own need of love. A lot of times you're really good at dishing out the love and empowering other people, but making sure that you give your own self love, making sure that you're able to um, express your need for love to other people, because that can be very difficult. Um, remember, this one is a counter type, so they can be two-ish in some external behavior behavior ways, meaning that they don't always express their needs and to tell people, especially that they need to be loved. And so it's going to be very important that you express this to somebody. You allow that vulnerable space so that you can express that you need love. All right. So ways to counteract the sexual dominant eight is to remember you are valuable enough without being extremely big, loud, provocative, and superior. You don't have to do all that to know that you are good enough and that you are extremely valuable. Okay. The next point, examine why you feel you need to be the center of attention. And so this can be hard because logically in our minds, we're like, that's not a good thing to be sometimes. That's what we can get stuck at. But no, you got to go into your feelings and figure out why in the world do I have or want to be the center of attention and to feel powerful? Why do I need that? So now addressing that feeling, you've got to go past um, all of the layers before you get to your heart that you had you have so much protection around your heart, so many boundaries, so much strength and anger. Well, you got you to gotta make your way all the way through that and get to who you actually are deep down in your heart and see what's going on. And then next, find the innocence and purity in your deeper feelings. So finding that like you're good at seeing the raw emotions and the things that may be extreme um, and, and extremely intense, um, which can have a very strong edge to them um, and can be even on the obsessive, maybe even negative side, kind of, that's probably not the word I'm looking for, but extreme is probably the best way. But you've got to find a way to dial back and find the innocence and purity in your deeper feelings. Because in your deep, deep feelings, they're not all extreme. They're they're more subtle. They're softer. And that probably kind of that probably kind of scares you a little bit because that's a place that's very tender uh, and very vulnerable, especially for eight. It's a place they don't go extremely often unless they're doing a lot of inner work. So you have to be aware of that and really start to dive in and figure out, whoa, what's down there? What's in there? And it's going to be deeper feelings that are soft, that need to be approached in a softer way. And not such an intense way of saying, I'll just mow my way through it and feel whatever. No, it, you've got to address that in a softer way, which can be very tough for AIDS. That's just about all I have for this episode. Much of this information comes from Beatrice Chestnut and Urania Pias, by the way, of Claudio Narajo. And I'm very excited to get this information, be able to share it with you all. And so if you uh, do not know your Enneagram type, I do Enneagram typing interviews through my business, Kaizen Careers. If you are interested in that, you can go to Milton at KaizenCareers.com. That'll be in the show notes. And that's Milton at KaizenCareers.com. Send me an email about um, looking to get an Enneagram typing interview. I figure out subtypes as well. If you're a little confused, we can figure those out and work with those. And then also podcasting is not free free for podcasters, but it is free for listeners. So I have a Patreon page. If you would like to support this podcast, you can go to patreon.com forward slash do it for the gram. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash do it for the gram. And then 
Also, I just started a YouTube channel. I'm super new to YouTube, um, but I would love for you to go subscribe. I am working on building my YouTube page, my YouTube channel, um, and doing videos as well as this podcast. So I'm super excited. If you could go there, that's do it for the gram, you know, on YouTube um, and go there and subscribe. That would be absolutely great. I am working on the quality. I have a lot to grow and a lot to learn, but I will get better day by day. And then also don't forget to subscribe to this podcast as well. And for Enneagram 8s who are listening, um, if you feel your instinct and your passion have triggered and now you have this subtype is going awry and going crazy, don't beat yourself up. Slow down, be a little bit more gentle and be more innocent with yourself and do it for the gram. The Enneagram, of course, and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye.